0: Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hello people, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Doug, and this week I'm going to talk more about the basement renovation, specifically figuring out what order to do stuff in. And I'm also going to talk a little bit about our energy audit. So, let's get right to it. Now, just for a quick refresher, if this is your first time here, we have been in this house for five years. About a month or so, after moving in, we had a flood in the basement. The primary cause was the sump pump. Our home inspector had moved the pump ever so slightly during our inspection. The float was dragging against the wall of the sump pit, and that caused it to overflow. But that wasn't the only place we had water coming in. And of course, I learned all of this after a miserable night of sucking up water with a shop vac. Not knowing how well the sump pump was actually working or even how old it was, we decided our best course of action was to replace it, which we did with a three-pump system consisting of a main pump, a backup pump, and a battery backup pump. and. Since we were going to have to do some repairs to the basement anyway, thanks to the water damage, we decided to get a French drain system installed, just in case. And then we spent the next five years wallowing in debt. So, after the waterproofing company cut the bottom two feet off of all the studs so they could install their system, I decided to do things right. Instead of just doing a Band Aid fix, I removed the rest of the drywall and the studs and painted on some drylock waterproofing paint, reframed the wall, insulated with rockwool R14 mineral wool insulation, and hung some new mold-resistant drywall. I did that along one wall, and then I hit pause. Meanwhile, I also want to turn our garage into a woodworking shop complete with climate control. But there is no insulation in the ceiling, and the vapor barrier that's up there now has been uncovered for 40 years, and it is completely deteriorated. The insulation company recommended spray foam, which doesn't need a vapor barrier, topped up with fiberglass insulation. However, there is a minimum charge for the spray foam, and our garage isn't quite big enough, so we'd be paying something like $800 for a $600 job. So it only makes economic sense to spray foam the basement as well, since they're here anyway. So now, with our debts absorbed into a mortgage at a ridiculously low interest rate, we now have the funds to actually do some of this work that has been on hold for a few years. The main priority, the biggest ticket item, is a new furnace, which we knew since we moved in, that we were going to have to replace in short order. Okay. Caught up now. This is the year that we're going to replace the furnace. This is the year that we're going to take care of the insulation, and this is the year that we're going to put our basement back together again. And since part of the basement will be my home office, I am going to do my best to mitigate sound transmission. I mean, Might as well, right? Okay, now we are caught up. I mean it this time. So, it's time to start putting things together again. But I'm not a contractor. I have only done one other basement renovation in my first house, and it wasn't as complicated as this one. I have never had a furnace replaced before. My thinking was that It's better to do all the framing and drywall first, so if any dust gets into the equipment, it's going to get into the old equipment. But when I talked to the HVAC guy about it, he recommended letting the installers put the equipment in first and then frame around their work, rather than possibly putting obstacles in their way. It makes sense when you think about it. And he also assured me that the filter would do a good job of keeping the equipment clean. Just keep an eye on it and change it if it gets too bad. And, of course, have the ducts cleaned once the renovations are completed. So, at this point, I am pretty much finished with any demolition. The HVAC installation is scheduled, and by the time you hear this, it should be done. Meanwhile... I can do some of the framing, but not around the furnace room yet. Once all the perimeter walls are framed and the electrical is done, then we can do the insulation, which is going to be spray foam. Now, it's important to make sure the electric is done, especially in the garage ceiling where we want to have lights put onto a separate circuit because once spray foam is in place, it's going to make access a lot more difficult. After the insulation, it would be time for the drywall and other finishing touches, as well as the ceiling and flooring. But the most important thing is that the HVAC gets done first, as they are going to be rerouting some of the venting, and we want to make their job as easy as possible. So, good thing I found this out and got the estimate when I did. All right. Well, there are a number of rebates available through our gas company. I thought it was actually the government that was paying for the rebates, but it turns out it's the gas company. Now, before you embark on any renovation that includes upgrading your HVAC equipment or insulation or anything else dealing with energy, you should check to see if any rebates are being offered by the government or your local utilities, because to qualify, they likely have to see the before, and the after, so they can base the rebate on the degree of improvement. So our HVAC guy put us in touch with the Energy Auditor. Now he came out, took a look at our existing equipment, he popped his head into our attic to see how much insulation we had, and he did a blower door test. Now how the blower door test works is this. A flexible frame and panel is fitted into the doorway there is a fan in the panel that will depressurize the house. And the difference in the pressure at different fan speeds determines the amount of air leakage. That information is fed into a computer program for analysis. After steps are taken to seal the house, whether stripping, caulking, electrical outlet gaskets, a second blower door test will be performed. And the amount of our rebate will be based on if we meet the base target or exceed it by 10% or more. So the energy audit is actually two parts. There's the initial audit, and then after the improvements are made, there's a re evaluation. To qualify for the rebates, we have to make at least two upgrades. Now, for us, the audits are going to cost a total of $600 plus tax, but our rebates are going to include. A $550 rebate for the evaluation. And we are already guaranteed to meet the two upgrade thresholds since we're getting a new furnace and a tankless water heater. We also qualify for a prorated rebate for the basement insulation, prorated because the part that's already finished doesn't qualify, and a rebate for the attic insulation. Plus, there are bonus rebates based on the number of upgrades that we make. Now, there's also other rebates, you know, for exterior wall insulation and window and door replacement, but we're not doing any of that. But a few hundred bucks here and there, that's going to add up and it will be a nice check when we get it. The push for energy efficiency really works in the homeowner's favor. Governments and utilities will offer incentives to reduce energy dependency and reduce demand on the grid. And it's a nice bonus for us. But when the homeowner makes the improvements, there's also going to be the payback in reduced energy costs and smaller utility bills and just general comfort. In our case, we really hadn't thought too much about attic insulation because a previous owner added a layer of fiberglass bats. Our house is generally comfortable, although, you know, there is a noticeable difference in temperature between the upstairs bedrooms and the lower levels. So maybe adding more insulation will help. It can't hurt. According to the auditor, we have about R30 now, which he said is pretty good. But bumping it up to R60 will qualify for a substantial rebate. And it will bump us up to the next level of bonus rebates as well. According to Tom Kreitler of the Money Pit Radio Show, adding attic insulation is the most effective way of reducing energy costs. I guess we'll be finding out how true that is. And even though we are here for the long term, improving the energy efficiency of our house will also help with the resale value. So, that's it. That's Pretty much all I wanted to talk about today. When you are doing a large-scale project and need to call in the trades, don't just guess at the timing. If you're not sure, talk to the trades and find out what the best time is to call them in. And before you begin, look into any rebates and what you must do to qualify for them. Then, complete the demolition first. In our project, the furnace and other mechanicals are getting installed before I do the framing, then the electrical and plumbing, and then the insulation. And make sure that you have any energy reassessments and inspections completed before covering everything up with drywall. It really is straightforward when you think about it, but it's also easy to get overwhelmed with a larger project. Well, it turns out that it was a good thing that I hadn't done any of the framing because, as usually happens, plans have changed. When the HVAC guys were doing their installation, they were able to locate the tankless water heater behind the furnace. It's tucked in. It's out of the way. But it's still easily accessible for servicing if needed. But what that did was open up a huge space where the old water tank lived. Fantastic, thought I. More storage. A dedicated Christmas closet, perhaps. Oh, the possibilities. And now the water heater was that much closer to the laundry room and the kitchen. So I asked, you know, since they were already doing a lot of plumbing anyway, could they possibly run a more direct line from the water heater to that part of the basement? Because right now the pipes sort of go around the perimeter. And the shorter the distance hot water has to travel, the less water that will be wasted waiting for hot water. I was willing to pay whatever the additional cost would be. Well, as we talked, the one guy said it was actually going to be easier to move the laundry room from the other side of the basement to where the old water tank was. And now that all that space had opened up, I mean, it was the obvious solution. The supply lines are right there, along with the main drain for the bathrooms, which could easily be tapped into. So now, instead of playing around with the existing laundry room plumbing like I was planning to do, we could remove that entirely. But the supply lines and the drain for the kitchen are still over there, which opens up the possibility of maybe a wet bar or even a summer kitchen, should a future owner want to do something like that. So now we aren't going to have separate laundry and furnace rooms. Instead of having the zigzag walls and the funky layout that I was trying to work with, we can divide the basement in two, right along the main beam. And that will cut down on the amount of partition wall framing by about half. And since I'm still about sound mitigation in this space, that too is going to require less investment. So, one side of the basement will be utility, the furnace, the water heater, the laundry, and lots of storage. The other side of the basement will be used for my home office, but it will be a very flexible space measuring about 12 feet by 24 feet. So, in terms of resale, it would make a great games room with plenty of room for a pool table. In fact, the basement has man-cave potential written all over it. Although, <laughs> I hate that term. But, pool table, wet bar, throw in a big screen TV and you're golden. But for us, it will simply be a home office and library. Now, there is a drain in the laundry room and the floor in that area slopes may be Half an inch. So chances are I may have to use some leveling compound. But that was always going to be a necessary step anyway, since I always plan to use luxury vinyl plank flooring on dry barrier subfloor. The only thing that has changed is what pattern of floor I'm going to lay where. And as an added bonus, I will now be dealing with basically two rectangular rooms, so the layout of the floor is going to be very straightforward, as will the ceiling. The HVAC guy was even generous enough to drill the hole for the dryer vent in the new location for me. Of course, these guys had already drilled four holes in the brick for various exhaust and intake vents for the furnace and water heater and stuff. So what's one more four-inch hole in the grand scheme of things over the course of a two-day installation job? No, seriously, that was above and beyond. But then... It was the least he could do since he had me rethinking my entire basement. Let's not forget that when I started out, I did not want this to turn into a major reframing project. Well, to be fair, it was already turning into a major reframing project before his suggestion. And actually doing one straight wall is going to be tons easier than playing around and trying to make the existing zigzags work as much as I like the quirkiness. What we will end up with will simply make a lot more sense. Sure, it means a little more demolition, but (laughs) I was already doing more demolition than I planned to anyway. More on that next time. As for this time, that will do it. I thank you for joining me and listening to this podcast. Please, if you haven't already, Leave a rating and review and tell a friend. My home base on the internet is thumbandhammer.com and I am on Twitter at Thumb and I will be back again in a couple weeks with another episode. Until then, cheers.